The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. Tonight we're joined by Casey, our man in Texas, who has set a world record for the world's worst hangover from the least amount of Dos Equis salted lime lager. Casey, how are you doing tonight? Good. No Dos Equis here tonight, but I'm ready. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I, I am actually zero beers in as well, so this has been a slow night for me. But we also have Brett. So we're joined by Brett, a man who comes to Adepticon, and he earns his Adepticon hangover the old-fashioned way with tequila and lime. Brett, how are you doing tonight? When I come to Adepticon, I'm not the only one that comes. <laughs> Whoa, hey. Whoa. He says that with that confident He said that with too. confidence. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is if everybody wants to see the show Saturday night at the Tequila Bar or Mexican Place or Brett's personal <laughs> stage, uh, yeah, be there. Enjoy the show. All right. Well, in all seriousness, uh, guys, uh, it's good to talk to y'all. It's good to actually have an episode uh, somewhat recently back to back. Hopefully it means we're stopping the stupid vacation stuff and hanging out with families and actually doing podcasts. Um, but uh, I was at NashCon this uh, past weekend. Good time. A lot of fun. Uh, played some Blood Red Skies. Uh, saw some people get really frustrated playing Flames of War. Uh, saw huge AOS tournaments. But I wanted to talk uh, Blood Red Skies and kind of some tournament tactics. I know... Brett, you've been chomping at the bit. You uh, you said to me tonight, hey, we need to revisit some tactics uh, episodes. What what were some of the things, at least I know you did a, a quick skim over, what were, were some of the things you wanted to talk about in the future? Not necessarily well, tonight. Yeah, well, I know we did an extensive episode about cards and card use and maybe some potential exploits and combos. So I was just thinking maybe it'd be a good opportunity to relook at those older episodes and see if like since maybe we've played a few more games since then played a few tournaments since then if something jumps out like oh man i need to say some more things about that maybe revise my opinion on certain things so that's kind of yeah, what my head I, was at on that I, i'll tell you the tournament revised my opinion of a couple card combos uh and you know i'll, I'll say this as well i put it out kind of the community let us know what you're seeing in some of your games because sometimes the the way you play in a friendly game is obviously different than a tournament and sometimes it's more or less useful uh, for certain combos, I'll say. Because there, there's certain ways you're going to play when your back's against the wall in a tournament and, and you I'm not going to say that you're proud of what a jerk you are to use some of the exploitive combos, but there are some things that play well together uh, as we've seen. And obviously if you fly tight turn airplanes with aggressive tactics you can do the same kind of thing cheaters so can you start a what were the list like what were your lists okay. that you had entered in so uh let me cover who was there first so that's that's the easy part because it was a small tournament it was only four of us and i played in the tournament uh even as the organizer but disqualified myself from actually placing so it was both liberating and i think a little frustrating uh, at least to the others, they they knew that uh, no matter how well or how bad I did, <laughs> there was no penalty for it. So uh, Team Gilmore was there. 
So we we had uh, Rhonda and Don there, and they brought the same airplanes that they had at Adepticon. So Rhonda was running F4 Corsairs. She was uh, running a single ace list, and her ace tactic was aggressive. Don was running his Georges, double ace list, both with aggressive. You may see a trend here. Uh, so then we had Mike Lewis. Mike was flying A6M5 zeros, so the deep pockets variety, no aces. And I was flying ye old hurricane ace list, so three aces and a non-ace, uh, four aircraft total out there. Uh, and I had mixed my uh, my ace skills out there. So the uh, the actually sorry I had two aces. I, I not three aces. I, I went out to a two ace list so I could get extra aircraft in there. Um, so it allowed me to go out there with five aircraft total. But the ace skills uh, that I chose were very defensive. Uh, so I chose uh, true grit. Um, and I chose, and now I'm drawing a blank on the other one here. I'll think of it here in a second. Uh, cool, uh, cool under fire, whatever it's called, something like that. Uh, so the fact was I was playing defensive ace traits, aggressive tactics as my doctrine, and then obviously theater as the tables had uh, played out. So, oh, and, and my equipment card was because I was hoping someone would slip up and not pay attention to my list. Tropical filters. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up twice on tropical filter table and neither once did I get to play, pick the tropical filter card. So, <laughs> or the tropical, uh, environment card. So that's all right. Um, but, uh, I, I was surprised the hurricane, uh, double ace list, uh, worked as well as it did. So the, I guess the real question is who won the tournament, right? That's what everyone wants to know. Who won well, the tournament? It wasn't the guy with the most points. Because <laughs> I had the most points and I couldn't win the tournament, which was which was kind of funny. No, uh, so we only did two rounds, four players. Uh, I played Don first. Uh, tough game against Don. Don's a great player. Uh, he he had me up against the ropes to the very end, and I managed to squeak out a win. So took that win. Went into round two. Played Ronda. Avenged lead pursuits honor, I may say, and finally broke the losing streak to Ronda. And, and beat Rhonda for lead pursuit team. Steve, you owe me wherever you are. Um, <laughs> but, but that was also a tough game uh, because anyone who's played Rhonda knows that she comes off very disarming and she'll even act like, oh, look, I made a mistake. And it wasn't a mistake. It was an intentional placement of those airplanes elsewhere on the board and she's trying to sucker you in. So uh, that was also a hard-fought game. And I didn't think I was going to pull that one off uh, till the very end. Uh, and as it turned out, in the opposite games, Mike had been a draw against both and been at a boom chit deficit. So I looked at Mike and said, well, Mike, the only thing that needs to be shaken out here is I need to play you. Uh, you came out in the bottom on both those. Do you want to play? He's like, nope, let's go do something else. <laughs> so we didn't play a third round uh, to see uh, amongst the uh, who would who would take the, the middle bracket there because uh, I was well ahead in points. But it was fun. Um, I, I enjoyed it. It was good to knock off the rust and play in a competitive environment after having played just narrative games uh, earlier in the weekend. Is it, I mean, do you, to be competitive, do you have to have an ace in your list? Because that's what we saw too just a while back. So what I will say now, I, I would have said no previously. Uh, and, and Scott Atchison will say no because he has, he flies the axe swarm and that works very well for him. Uh, I think if you take an ace there is more opportunity to set yourself up to fail than to succeed. Uh, 
and I say that because the problem is people like me have been guilty of it. Take aces and we feel creative and we want to try new card combos. Uh, tournament's not the place to do that. Uh, the game with your buddy is the place to do that. And that there are so many ace choices. There are more ace card choices than doctrine card choices, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, maybe not that are applicable, because I guess when you throw out the ones against multi-engine or attack, then there, there aren't. But now that there's so many aces, there are literally more ace traits almost than, than useful doctrines. You, uh, you, you kind of get this, I don't know what to call it, it's the stupid idea that you want to experiment with it. Do that in your friendly game, don't do it in the, in the um, tournament. Pick something you know is going to win, like aggressive. So just to go over it, aggressive, in case that's the one where the plane can make a bonus 45 degree. Oh, no, no, no. That's aggressive tactics. Aggressive as as the uh, as the ace. I think, uh, Brett, didn't you use this one? I know we've talked about on the podcast. Aggressive allows you to both outmaneuver and shoot as your pilot action as an ace. So. Think about this. Your aces are usually your guys, if you're like me and you play the ace forward or the, the pilot skill, high pilot skill forward tactic, your aces are your people that are out maneuvering anyway. So why not let them take a shot? And especially in a double ace list, that kind of guarantees if you play your cards right, you will at least have that second ace shooting a disadvantaged airplane. And that is... That coupled with some poor positioning on my part, um, I'll I'll say that uh, Don exploited my uh, kind of a seam in what I thought my positioning was. I thought I'd taken the dimensions right. I thought I was going to hit the clouds perfectly. And I did the old end up quarter inch short of a cloud. <laughs> and I just looked at that and I was like, well, he's going to make me pay for that, which he did. So he shot down one of my airplanes uh, before it could jump into a cloud and get some advantage back. But uh, aggressive just gave, especially with two aces, aggressive gave him the, the ability to knock people down and punish them in the same turn. That whole concept of ace forward is, um, is, a, is a real thing, and it's something that's taken me a while to figure out. Because <clears throat> I think in, early on I had a tendency to kind of keep my aces behind, thinking they were going to be the ones doing all the shooting. But really, like you just suggested, they may be better positioned to do all the the uh, outmaneuvering, right? The auto outmaneuvering, because right. that's so right. powerful. And then, you know, Johnny Novice, you know, rookie pilot number two can show up and do the shooting, especially if you've got well, so, firepower two or better. Yeah. And let's let's talk about the, the outmaneuver piece, because I think traditionally I had kind of thought an ace was too valuable, like you said, to, to do an ace forward kind of maneuver. And I would, if I wanted to do that, I would play with pilot skill fours. But here's the math behind it that sucks when you don't notice it. Odds are the plane you want to outmaneuver is going to be pilot skill three. That's, that's just how it is. The, the people are going to husband their weak players, their pilot skills two. And if they don't show up totally disadvantaged, blundering into your forces, they're going to mask them somewhere. So the guy you're going to want to outmaneuver is probably a three. And the guy you're going to want to outmaneuver is also probably not the closest to you. Because he probably has a buffer of a pilot skill two or somebody else next to him. So that pilot skill three is going to automatically become a four because he's not the closest aircraft. So unless you have an ace, you're not autoing him. With an ace, you can auto him, but with a pilot skill four, he's still going to get to roll. And by the time you have four dice plus his maneuverability, you have decent odds at that point to, 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 fail, to uh, foil the outmaneuver. So I... 
I kind of suddenly realized the the genius behind using an ace instead of a four, uh, just odds wise in this fight, because a lot of times it was a a further pilot skill three who was neutral that I wanted to knock down to disadvantaged, or he was advantaged. I wanted to knock him to neutral uh, because I wanted to be able to keep him from moving next. So. So what would have been a good counter then for yours, for your list? Your to take aggressive. List? So so, yeah, oh, okay. so on my list, yeah. To, to, yeah, to change my, uh, to get rid of cool under fire and get rid of uh, true grit and to use aggressive. I, for, I made the mistake of not backing my strengths. I knew I was going to play ace forward. I knew that I took aggressive tactics and I had uh, hurricanes. So hurricane mark two. So I had tight turn and robust there. So I, I knew what I was going to try to do, but, but the problem was I, I was concerned about how quickly my aces would get knocked down. So I took two defensive ace traits and that's, that's not what you should do when you're playing ace forward, when you're playing ace forward, play ace forward and, and use aggressive ace traits that are going to pay off. Um, if I was instead using them for high firepower and wanted them to be in a sense behind a shield wall of pilot skill twos, then use defensive kind of uh, ace tactics or ace uh, skills in order to uh, ace traits, I should say, in order to uh, keep them alive. But but they did come out for me. There there were a couple times I, I got to admit um, that uh, that sure enough I I was able to use the traits so that I failed a dodge. Then I rolled a uh, a maneuver check and it allowed me to then not lose my advantage uh, and get rid of the boom chit, which was really really nice. So. So what's the, uh, I think there's an A skill that gives you pilot skill six at the start of activation. Uh, yes. And not sitting here with my cards in front of me. Yeah, you've me, me either. Disadvantage. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't have mine in I front actually, of me either. I have, I have that list because thanks to our good friend Thomas, uh, there's a brand new list inside the ready room today with all the cards. So if you haven't gone out there uh, to the ready room and pulled down the entire card list, uh, you probably should do so because it has... Everything you ever wanted. And I say that while I'm presently surfing to the ready room to pull down my copy as we're having this discussion. Nice. I'm looking at it, too. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm woefully under uh, underprepared for our discussion. Um, but yeah, so uh, Thomas is always he, he puts out some uh, great product, uh, puts all the cards in there, has uh, a lot of updated uh, aircraft and uh, and ace cards. And in fact, it takes me longer to scroll through those than some large manuals I read. So, uh, is this in the file section? Oh, slippery. Yeah, uh, it should actually come up as one of the first messages. He just put it up today. Slippery is the one that gives you pilot skill six for dodging. Because I looked at that too. That was the other one. I said, you know, maybe I want to do that because I want to, you know. But I was like, dodge is dodge is usually the least of my concerns because I've already sucked up a boom chit and I'm probably going to dodge. I want to be able to yeah. get rid of boom chits. I thought there was something so. that gave you. Uh, Pilot skill six, just at the start of activation for the purposes of uh, turn order, you know, like all that. Oh, there may be um, that one. I'm not. I'm it not might sure. it might not be an ace card. I, gosh, I feel like I played it in a recent game too. So if that's the case, oh well, there's one for card. starting advantage. So there's tactical wizard, but that's just your starting advantage level, and that um, that gives everybody plus two to the die roll, which uh, can be useful. Um, but yeah, so True Grit and Cool Under Fire were the ones I played in, in a, a attempt to get rid of Boom Chits. So I know we have a lot of new players too, especially in the ready room, if they're listening to this. So if you take an ace like this, an unnamed ace, how many ace cards can they take in a list? So they only get one. Uh, okay. But 
if and the other thing to remember is when you take multiple aces, you have to tie that ace card to a specific airplane. So I had to make sure I knew which ace was which card, and thankfully they had different tail letters on my hurricanes that, you know, shameless plug for Trevor and his great painting job. Uh, those looked awesome as they were dealing death around the table. Uh, but because they had different tail letters, I could say, hey, this is the one that's cool under fire. This is the one that's true grit. Uh, and I, I also, here's a note, I explained that to my opponent every time. So I said, this one over here with this tail letter has this trait. This one over here has this trait. Uh, be forewarned. So <laughs> don't be surprised. Did you go to NashCon last year too? Did you hold the tournament there? Uh, yes, we did. And I've killed those brain cells, but uh, there were six people there, I believe. Uh, have the list, like how have the list evolved since then? Do you think we're well, there, starting to reach there were like a, a pinnacle of, of a meta? No. Well, the funny thing is there were a lot of F4s uh, last time. And F4U Corsairs have traditionally underperformed in tournaments. I think NashCon last year was the first time we saw them do okay. And as I recall, it was Pat Doyle that did well with them. Um, and then obviously Adepticon, we saw Rhonda do well with the uh, with the F4Us. And then this time again, she did very well. The the Rockets, her combination of F4U Corsairs and, and Rockets, air to air Rockets, is deadly. Uh, I laugh and I always feel bad whenever you say this because you always feel like you're cheesing out. But she and I both agreed, we're like, my God, her dice rolls were terrible. I mean, there were times that literally she's taking a handful of dice and just needs one success to put a boom chin on me and was coming up with nothing. So um, she she played very well uh, and even throwing twice as many dice in an attack as I was, um, she was coming up short. So uh, she was cheated some some boom chits there, definitely, definitely. It's, it's a not a big number, but I would say in my experience, the Corsair list has been susceptible to the denial list. I've... I've done kind of well against the Corsair. Yes, I would I would agree as well. And I think uh, part of that is because, in a sense, it has a wasted trait, as Trevor would call it, in that it has great dive, uh, which, ironically enough, uh, Rhonda used to good effect to get her decoy element uh, that had been hanging out a long way away from the table edge uh, right into the middle of the fight. Uh, but, you know... It, Great dive is probably not as influential. Now, the other thing that that uh, was kind of funny, if if you are used to a single ace list or a a low pilot skill list, you're not used to aircraft other than being tailed going from advantaged to disadvantaged in one turn. When you have two aces, obviously you can double outmaneuver somebody uh, and and knock them all the way down. So. Generally, by the time I got Rhonda's aircraft to disadvantaged, I was shooting them and killing them, so she didn't have a chance to use uh, low-altitude performance, which was her plan to to be able to deal with uh, having been tailed or whatever, that you survived that attack. Now you can just use that as your doctrine card and pop back up to neutral, um, and you can still burn advantage, get out of the way, do whatever. Uh, but rarely did she have an opportunity to. <laughs> so I felt a little bit bad. Wait, no, no, I didn't feel bad at all. <laughs> you know, besides, we talked a little bit about that kind of aircraft you're seeing some more of. Is there a style of list you're seeing emerge? Are there like distinct? I mean, I know we've talked about like horde lists and or swarm lists and, um, you know, my denial list. But is are different styles sort of emerging so I think everything has fallen into two styles for what I've seen. And well, and, and I'll throw in a third style there, which, which we'll go back to an earlier point of mine. But the main two styles have been 
ace heavy lists, and then you just alternate between cheap aircraft, uh, whether it be hurricanes, wildcats, yaks, whatever, uh, to be ace heavy. And then the other lists I've seen have been firepower heavy. So the aircraft trait isn't as important as the amount of firepower you're dealing per turn, and whether that's plussed up with uh, traits, uh, aircraft traits, tactics, whatever, um, you know, uh, superior armament cards. The, the successful counter to some of these lists I've seen has been the firepower heavy list. Um, where they don't care about outmaneuvers, they don't care about their maneuver skill, they don't even care about their speed. Um, especially, and that's and that's Rhonda's case there, because even though she was flying Corsairs, she's flying Corsairs that are carrying rockets, so they're already slower. Um, and then had we had we fought the the whole tropical uh, effects battle, then it was even one one more speed slower on top of that. So, so if you let you know, we got Crucible coming up here in what almost just a little over a month. So, yep. like I said, we have a lot of new players. So, what would you recommend? Would you have them take a firepower list if they're not completely comfortable with all these cards yet to try to remain competitive in an event? So, well, <laughs> you're you're not gonna like my first answer. If you're not comfortable with the cards, you need to play more before you come to a tournament, or someone will make you cry. <laughs> and, and I say that because you're gonna be like me, and you're gonna look at aggressive, and you're gonna realize in a moment in the first turn, you're gonna do all the quick math, and you'll be like, "I'm so screwed. I'm I'm fighting uphill, and I now have to totally change how I thought I was gonna play." Um, so, so I, I say that jokingly, but. I don't think there's a list that if you're not comfortable with aces or you're not comfortable with the the interaction of your traits and a doctrine that you're going to do well. Because a pure firepower list kind of tops out at about three, unless you get to rockets, which will take you to four. And then if you're really lucky, you end up rockets and superior armament taking you to five. Um, the The... Then masking that with things like heavy hitter, you won't get buzzsaw in, in anything uh, World War II, but putting a heavy hitter in there, now you're talking about too high of points. So sure, you've got a ton of firepower you can deal out every turn, except the problem is your point cost. And that's kind of what Don saw uh, flying Georges against me. Uh, so sure, able to deal a lot of firepower, but the problem is when you do that at a higher point cost, it's it's kind of difficult to uh, to get all the skills you need. So, Yeah, that makes sense. Um, real quick, Brett, can you elaborate? What's a denial list? The Blue well, Falcon list. Yeah, my Blue Falcon <laughs> list. Yeah. We've brought it up, but just to clarify, though. Uh, well, for example, like the ace traits I've chosen would be something like uh, I Know Your Type, which will, uh, in reaction to an enemy playing within nine inches playing a trait card, the trait card has no effect. So it's just denying all your tricks, right? That, so that's one example. Like looking for things that deny what the opponent wants to try to do with their list. Um, another example in my case would be like, um, I guess like what Rhonda did with low altitude performance plus something with great dive, right? Uh, it's kind of like a get out of jail free card. If somebody gets you know, disadvantaged, then they just come to neutral and dive and you know if you got speed eight or better you're flying across the board practically getting out of the fur ball nobody's shooting at you and you just turn around come back and fight on your own terms so that's kind of how i've kind of uh it mostly because 
I've, I've been playing just the models I have. So with what, lots of 109s and great dive and great climb, I've tried to make the most out of those traits. And that's kind of what I've come up with. And of course, great climb, it's another good example. It's denying somebody potentially the ability to climb. Uh, so I try to use those to best effect. That makes sense. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to kind of go over that real yeah. quick. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like these ham- hammer lists are something s- sound kind of interesting though. So I'm thinking like you know super like good firepower, right? Maybe a couple couple you know the whole ace forward concept with some well. And I think an important that. point to remember is the point values. So it's hard to make a firepower list because of point values. So you look at like the F4U dash three. So it comes in at, or uh, sorry, the, the dash one, 39 points. Great dive, robust 228. Uh, you definitely, with a dash five, you, you can't do that list, and the one extra speed isn't worth it. But when you're at, at this 40-point threshold, it's hard to build a big list. When you're even in the 30-point regime, it's hard. And, you know, when you look at, like, the, uh, the Hellcat at 39 points, same as an F4U dash one, um, but at least like your, your F4s, your F4Fs, um, now you're down in the 20 some odd regime. You know, if it's a dash three with rapid roll, you're at 28, a dash four, like would be the standard, uh, warlord card is a 23. Um, but you're, you're only getting to firepower two in that, you know, F4F dash four. So something to think about, you gotta, you gotta really manage your, your, aircraft point value because you're going to need to buy things like rockets or you're going to need to plus up their skills enough to be able to throw extra dice on top of the firepower and that was kind of where don's choice he kind of feels like it's the the good crossover uh choosing the and i'll have to get the versions here right um the k2j george which is 33 points still somewhere in the mid-range of what you probably play in a tournament. But it's heavy hitter, poor quality, tight turns. So the only reason it's a reasonable choice price-wise is it has poor quality, which you can mitigate via clouds or deployment. Um, so I think uh, I-, I found poor quality did not hamper him dramatically. I think there was only one airplane that I came to the merge with that was not advantaged uh, and it was also because he just couldn't get to the cloud fast enough like me. If Steve was here, he'd probably really advocate for a single trait aircraft too. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is that is why I normally run uh, F4, F-4 Wildcats, the, the standard Warlord card with an ace list. Uh, because then you're a single trait aircraft, you're robust. What I, I would have lost. I would have lost both games if that was what I was running. The only reason I succeeded in getting to two tailing positions and downing the aircraft was because I had aggressive tactics and tight turn. Uh, So that double 45 combo, one of which is anywhere in your move you want it, that, that gave me the last edge I needed to turn the corner. Now, you know, there, there was some of those, uh, some of those points, I could have delayed it another turn, but let me be honest, we were playing on a slower than Steve Toth pace. <laughs> he normally advocates for the 115, uh, an hour and 15 uh, tournament times, and I think these were 145s. So we were in no rush. We had, you know, 
all afternoon, uh, and we're sitting there uh, happy to keep playing. So we we played at a slower pace uh, and and probably spent more time uh, overthinking our moves than we would have in a in a shorter tournament. It's just interesting to me how like I'm not going to say like the meta is evolving, but I feel like it is a little bit. And just where it'll be at this time next year is it going to yeah. be all about yeah. aces? And then what are we going to see at Crucible? What are we going to see on further? And who, what will change that? Is Warlord going to release something in the future that'll kind of shake things up, or is this going to be the just what's going to happen now? Well, and I th- I think the what is Warlord going to release next is always a concern because they're they're are more ace skills and traits coming. Uh, so buckle up, boys and girls. <laughs> there's there's more of that. But there, hopefully, at least the things that I've seen are all really straightforward. And I think Andy's probably getting to a point where he thinks that the, the amount of skills out there have kind of hit the gamut of what needs to be. But there, there are a few more waiting in the wings. But the um, I, I think the aircraft aren't going to unpredictably break things because we've all seen them in the master list. There's nothing that... Nothing that should get published that isn't already in the master list in some form or fashion, uh, at least for aircraft. You have me reevaluating my list for Crucible already. Oh, good. Well, so I was thinking about it today as, as I was driving. Uh, so, so I'll blame those people who've ordered stuff recently. As I was driving to the uh, post office, I was not thinking about things I should be like the road. I was thinking about Crucible list. Uh, but it, I was I was thinking, what what is the big shift and you know, first of all, I mean, how many people are going to be there? There's there's already a few people that said they can't make it. Uh, we do know a few people that are going to make it. So like Steve Gusky is going to be down there. So we'll have uh, a chance to play the tournament. We may roll a little LPP heavy on the tournament, but trust me, we're not going to stack the deck at our odds and we're not going to give ourselves prize support. Um, that'll, <laughs> that'll go to everybody else who shows up. But the, the, the question is, you know, are we going to end up in a more, uh, a more ace heavy or more firepower heavy? Because I think... You know, Brett, to to your point earlier about um, uh, about the denial list, there is a little bit of skill that it takes to play a denial list because you're not going in and punching the other player in the face. You are just waiting for them to give up advantage or slip up and do something, and then you're looking to exploit that and to hold them down from doing whatever they wanted to do. And I think that sometimes takes uh, a little more... Uh, a little more thought than just running in either with an ace forward list or with a, you know, pilot skill back kind of list where you're, you're expending your pilot skill twos to beat up the enemy. Based on my last performance at uh, Adepticon, Adepticon, it takes a few more <laughs> games that I've Brain played lately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, that was pre tequila. So you have no, uh, no excuse for that one. <laughs> I don't know what you'd kill those brain cells with the night prior. I need to get more reps in, man. That's what it is. Yeah, well, and that's and that's totally it. So I I would have been very rusty had I not been playing narrative games uh, leading up to it. So we got in a bunch of Migali games. Uh, we got in a bunch of World War II Midway themed uh, dogfighting games. Did not get any attack games in. I was kind of hoping to break out the neoprene targets. So uh, paid promotion for Blue Falcon hobbies and their beautiful neoprene ships that fit perfectly on your neoprene mat and don't slide anywhere. Uh, please go to bluefalconhobbies.com and buy a set today. Uh, use use coupon code. We don't really care, and you won't get anything <laughs> off. Yeah. So, um, but no, we we were gonna do some TBM missions uh, and try those, but we just ran out of time. And I'll be honest, they're 
NashCon was great because I had a good chance to meet a lot of other Blood Red Skies players, but the problem was we sat around BSing. So you know how it is, you play a game, and then you talk about that game, and then you talk about all the other games you've played. So it uh, it, it was not, um, you know, I probably didn't knock out as many reps as I could have, but I'll tell you, I had a great opportunity to meet some Blood Red Skies players from all over the U.S., and it, it really... Um, re-energized I guess is the best way to say my my belief in the Blood Red Skies community it was a little depressing every time you're an event organizer and you see a a small turnout for whatever event and then everybody else walks up who isn't signed up to play and goes oh yeah I play Blood Red Skies all the time we play it like once a month at least in my local gaming community and you look and you go why aren't you signed up for the Blood Red Skies (laughs) game like ah, because I want to go say that I want to go play the big ship game over there with a guy in a pirate hat you know and 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 we, we had this discussion uh, last night with the Adepticon historical staff about what do people play. And the consensus is, other than Flames of War and occasionally Bolt Action, most people don't show up to a historical tournament to play their game system they play all the time. Do you think that's because Blood Red Skies, we, you can knock out a game in an evening, a Wednesday evening, and just an hour I th- and I think there, no problem? There's two problems so, to it. hey, it, yeah, it, I play it, that whenever I want. Yeah. Yes, it literally is a great beer and pretzels game. You can knock out a game at any time with you and your friends. It takes 45 minutes to an hour or, or more if you just add a bunch of stuff in, but it doesn't take long. So the odds of it being played at an FLGS with a friendly crowd with a bunch of buddies is high. And the other problem is that because because it's not a flashy game, it sometimes has a hard time competing with other ones at a tournament Let's or at a, at a convention setting. Let's be honest. The guy that has 15-foot-long sailing ships all rigged out and is standing there in a pirate outfit, he's going to attract a heck of a lot of people who just want to walk up and play his game. So, uh, and, and now I'm going to make John Russell feel guilty, and that's not my intent. But this was one of the first... Uh, conventions we'd done where we didn't have the midway. So we didn't have a big one, 200 scale carrier to draw people over for them to go, Oh wow, that's pretty impressive. And then get suckered into playing blood red skies. I I think we have previously benefited from that, especially at TLC um, and and other conventions that we have a great centerpiece there. And then people want to play when it's one, 200 scale airplanes, doesn't necessarily attract people as much until they're already over there. And they go, oh, those are kind of cool. What game is this? Um, and that's where I kept running into people that said, yeah, I play Blood Red Skies, and I'm now about to go play R, There She Blows, you know, so whatever. Have fun with that's your That's always been my thing. It's like, you know, I want to go to a convention and play something I don't play all the time. And Blood Red Skies is an easy game for our group to knock out any night of the week. Right. So how right. do you bring those people to the table? How do you get them interested and, and, and I don't know the I don't know a good answer. So when we talked to the Adepticon crowd, part of what we said was, how do we reward people for trying other games, and and how do we reward people for stepping even out of their comfort level to try something they don't have a force for? So, um, I I don't know the answer. Let me be honest. The answer always is creative prize support and. You know, people in costumes. Um, so, yes, we'll have Brett and Silkies out there standing in front um, of the speaking booth. Speaking of costumes, can we get a furry <laughs> report on Nashcon, by the way? Oh, the furries. Yeah. Well, so the furries, uh, they only showed up for the AOS tournament and they left. Um, so they, there were not as many furries as there was at the uh, Huntsville uh, Pop Culture Con where they were dominant. Uh, but they were not the dominant species at Nashcon. 
Okay, well, I can go ahead and close the chapter on NashCon for the Furry Report. <laughs> Till Crucible, my friends. <laughs> oh, there there may be more at Crucible. Crucible, by nature of not being a historical convention, it might have a crowd that will be less historical, shall we say. So uh, can you tell us what else about NashCon? What did you play? Anything else? So I played Aerodrome 1.0, which everyone who knows me knows that it was nearly nauseating for me to think about pushing a small World War One airplane made of fabric and wood around the board. Uh, but <laughs> I, I you were trolling I, us when you sent us that picture. Yeah, but I, I choked back the vomit and I played the game. No, it was it was so much fun. And le- let me be honest, playing with the crowd that is, first of all, at Aerodrome Games is always fun because it's always a, a real mix of personalities and gaming styles. And then... Everybody who hosts Aerodrome Games does a great job of interaction. So I, I had a good chance to uh, to I actually didn't go through Mark's game. Uh, I missed the Pearl Harbor uh, attack game, but I got to go through and play the World War One game later on in the evening. And it was it was nice to sit down and and be hosted through it by the by the guys that run Aerodrome and own Aerodrome in that sense. Uh, and I really appreciate them taking the time. It was. Um, it was, it was enjoyable. We got a lot of rounds through. I think we got three, three games through, uh, of Aerodrome on Saturday evening and, uh, everybody had fun and, and everybody was happy when they, some of them finally got wings. Some, some poor guy had been trying, I think eight games, uh, of Aerodrome before he finally got a kill and got in the Aerodrome one game. So, um, I had a lot of fun because Phil from Sherwood war games sat across from me. So he was almost always my target. So uh, I punished him and shot him down at least once. Got two kills total that night. Uh, but it was fun. It was a good time. Yeah, I think it's I'd... a pretty uh, well-attended con, too, isn't it? Pretty busy? It is. I think it was. I, I should have asked the organizer what their numbers were. I think it was a little bit smaller than last year. And it sounds like almost everybody's events have been smaller this year, especially historical events. Uh, there's uh, some interesting discussion uh, as to why that is, and we probably could do a whole episode on it. But uh, this year's summer cons were kind of off. Uh, sales had been off. I'll, I'll tell you, the vendors weren't uh, doing a, nearly as much business. Um, you know, Thank you to everyone who bought Blood of Its Guy stuff because you bought that directly from Lead Pursuit, even though it was sitting <laughs> in the Sherwood War Games booth. Uh, so we sold a good amount of stuff. Uh, so that, that made me feel good about going there, that at least we got the Blood of Its Guys word out. But... Um, the bolt action tournament was smaller. Ours was definitely smaller. Flames was smaller. Uh, Sigmar looked about the same. I didn't walk and go see 40K or Lord of the Rings to see what they were uh, what they were like. Marvel Crisis Protocol filled up their entire room and what? wants to double their room for next That's year. That's a cool game looking, though. I haven't it played is, it, but it, it is cool. a cool game. And, and let's be honest, Marvel superheroes are the hotness right now. So... So if you want something that stretches across uh, genres and age groups and everything else, the Marvel game is kind of where it's at right now. And, and we'll see how long it stays that way. You know, unfortunately, markets can be fickle. Um, entertainment especially can be fickle. So we'll see what the, what the attraction for that is. But I think based on just the last you know, 15 years of superhero movies, that is something that has been underserved in the gaming market. And Crisis Protocol is filling that void and making a ton of money and hosting a ton of events so good on them is there a she-hulk happy happy to have them 
That I don't know. I know you're all excited about that. Um, but uh, your your adolescent fantasies are going to have to wait. Uh, I don't think they have a She-Hulk model yet. There's there's plenty of others, though, for you. You know, that's a game, though, that it's so bright and colorful and with that scenery and terrain. Like, you walk by and you have to stop and look at it. Like, yeah. That's one of the yeah. things we were talking about. It has and I kind of feel bad because they were, they were pushed. They're, they're back in a back room. So I really didn't go over and see them between both... Battletech and Crisis Protocol, they were often and out of the way. So that that's the disadvantage of Nashcon is it's a lot of smaller rooms, so games get compartmentalized. And you just you don't see the people if you're busy or if you're in the main hall and you're hanging out with people in pirate outfits. Um, but there's there's also a lot of people that are there in the main hall to kind of push their game. So it's one of those things that after a while you're like, I really don't want to play any of the stuff that people have in here because they're all doing other stuff. Oh, what is he showing us? He's showing us more miniatures. <laughs> Brad, is that more your bolt action, guys? Yeah, more bolt action. So you were talking about how little time we have until Crucible. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I should probably, when I have a, a moment, sit down and put some thought to a new list and then it'd give me something to paint before, you know... At, Maybe I would just try out something entirely different, and then I realized, wait, it's only like a, a month away, and I have to paint a whole bolt action army. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Good luck with that. <laughs> Are you guys painting a new list for the um, Blood Red Skies event? Any I don't plans? know. I I've been thinking about it, but I I just I really don't know. I probably will finish my Wildcats. Uh, and I well actually I'll finish a different set of Wildcats, not my Warlord Wildcats that have the freaking scratched out triangle um <laughs> but i'll finish a group of wildcats that have the appropriate size triangle that might be 3d printed by someone in texas whose first name rhymes with <laughs> blacy um but i think i'm gonna do a, a wildcat list i'm gonna try wildcat aces again even though freaking scott has wiped the f- gymnasium floor with my wildcat ace list before i think i'm gonna try that for point value what are you gonna bring brett uh, you know, I was just glancing at the list and maybe, maybe 190 D's. Um, I could always just do my standard 109 G list. That's sort of, that's sort of my personal, you know, go-to, but I might try to explore something new. Let's see. Uh, so what I'm going to try to do is just something a little bit different, like have fun painting it. Like I'm always better at the hobby side than the actual flying side. So good. That'll be at least one person I'll get a victory over. <laughs> Thank God. Well, no, I, and, and I, and I say this, you know, jokingly that, you know, don't be the dumbass that tweaks your list at the last minute for, uh, for a tournament, pick what you know that you're good with, but there's also an element. This is just blood red skies. We're, we're out here. We're having fun. We're, the community is a great bunch of people to play tournaments against, so nobody's going to get super bent whether they win or lose. Um, but but what I'll say is if you're an F4, F-4 person, you go, I want to try the Dash 3 for the tournament with Rapid Roll. You probably aren't ready to handle the Dash 3. <laughs> you probably need to see how Rapid Roll 50% of the time works out for you um, before you end up at the tournament. But you know what? Come out, play some narrative games. Uh, the good news is the schedule is out, so... Tabletop events uh, for Crucible 10. Uh, the link is in both the Ready Room on the Lead Pursuit page and in Gathering of Eagles uh, Facebook group. Go out there, uh, sign up for events. There's a lot of table signups as well. So they put slots out there for our demo table just to reserve it. So if people want to play an event there, sign up for a time slot 
and then shoot us an email and say what you want to play during that time, and we'll know that we're not demoing Blood Red Skies to you. We're, in fact, playing a narrative game for a couple hours. Um, but I know Steve Gusky was talking. He had a couple ideas, uh, and because I'm lazy and I don't want to make more miniatures than we already have. Uh, <laughs> he uh, floated the B-17 escort mission idea, and I said, you know what, Casey has just what you need for that. So I can bring uh, it. Yeah, so I, th- I think that may be one of our narratives. We do have two narrative periods on Sunday, uh, so we'll see what we do there. I know that people will be packing up and trying to leave and stuff, but we have, do have two narrative game periods there as well that are reserved. So whether or not we have the table exactly the whole time, we may lose it. Friday evening for an event. I have to go see who's actually uh, using our table. Um, but worst case, we'll go out and drink instead. <laughs> I mean, it's Orlando. What could possibly go wrong? They have Maybe margaritas, I... right? <laughs> yes, I'm sure we could find a place that has margaritas. I don't know if it'll. <laughs> I don't know if we could find a place that had quite the uh, quite the goings on as the one in Chicago. That place was amazing. <laughs> it was. Sure for a place that was find... supposed to close at 9 p.m. at night, that place was still kicking. <laughs> right? Maybe we'll get Doug to take us to Disney World instead. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, okay. So yeah, we can go to we can go to Doug and Michelle's version of Disney World, which is the adult Disney World. Drink your way around Epcot. We'll see how you hang there, <clears throat> Johnny Law Dog. <laughs> Man, now y'all got me thinking about putting Ace in my list. I'd I'm, never run them, so now I'm like, I would. I, I, I need to you start. know, I I know. I say don't change your list right before you go to a convention, but I would play a game or two with an Ace, single Ace, uh, if you if you are kind of hedging your bets, but. I'm a, I'm a single-skilled guy now. All my aces are going to show up with aggressive. So everybody who wants to beat me, figure out how to beat aggressive because that's that's the skill that I'm using as my go-to now. Do you think that it's worth it to take tactics. two? Two aces? Is that worth two it? Two aces. Yeah, I'm doing two aces, both with aggressive. You bring your aces, I'm bringing P80 shooting stars. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> that might not work out for you, but you know what? Because they're not considered a Korea era jet, so theoretically, I I don't think it says prop plane in the. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think it's on the World the, War Two jets list, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's on the World War Two jets list, so I, I'm sure it's legal. I don't know how you're going to fit so, it in with the amount of a, points. But. It's a lot less expensive than the freaking two sixty two. My goodness. Yeah. Where can people find the rules for the event for Crucible? It's in. Is it in Ready Room or on our website? So uh, it is the same tournament pack that is in the ready room which of course good luck finding anything in the files section thank you facebook but uh if you go to our website there's a banner up the top gathering of eagles you click on that there's a single banner once the splash page comes up for tournaments and that will give you things like the tournament locations click here for tournament pack you can download that uh or you can also you know just j- jump in the ready room and ask about it. hey where's the tournament pack uh, and we'll put it in the file section again and get lost again <laughs> i'm excited you're brainstorming yeah. line tonight <laughs> well you know you can run that uh that p26 list that's i think the p26 <laughs> p shooter list is the uh, perfect that's what my i speed. think there, i think my you actually have like five aces in that list no you don't have that eight <laughs> points but you know if, what is it what is it nine points yeah nine points it's a zero two five airplane yeah let's see how that works out but of course whatever it's traits drum roll please poor quality and rapid roll so I think I think the pea shooter list is what people ought to bring. I don't know where I guess AIM has pea shooter models. We don't even have three D printed ones. <laughs> was it Gusky that had the had the had those? Was it uh, was it him or was it Dan? I can't remember who brought them. I think well, I think it was Steve. I think it, I think Steve had the the uh, batch of pea shooters. So 
Yes, maybe maybe that's what he's waiting to bring. Maybe that's going to be his uh, his list for uh, for Crucible. He hasn't told me. So, how did the IAR eighties do at uh, Adepticon? Underwhelming really- for for what we thought. So yeah. we thought the IAR eighty was kind of the sweet spot, um, but I've only seen one player take it. So it, he uh, he and I were talking uh, after Adepticon, um, and you know he he admitted that that it didn't do as well as he thought it was going to do. But, you know, once again, it's tough when it's just one player taking that aircraft in a tournament, you know, maybe they had a bad day. Maybe the dice went against them. You know, there's, there's a million reasons, but when you look at the IR 80 single trait, rapid roll one, two, six, uh, and it's only 20 points. I don't know. Maybe I just became a Romanian player. <laughs> so I'm saying it's so inexpensive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it truly is. Um, that I think that, uh, Heck, you could have four aces with that. Well, that's what I'm saying. We were talking about ace-heavy lists and stuff, and that's where my mind went was, hmm, I remember the IAR-80 had some pretty interesting, uh, like a good stat line and a really, really good cost. The, the Italian stuff is pretty pretty good bargain too, right? I, I think it is. That's I what think I was thinking the, about taking as an Italian list. I'm looking yeah, at it now. I think the Italian aircraft have, have a, a great potential uh, in – in being competitive, you know, and the, the tough part of it is you're going to get saddled with poor quality on a bunch of them, but a, that's what clouds are for, or B that's what sticking your aircraft, you know, butt into the back corner of a map is for, um, there's, there's ways to mitigate that, but you just got to be careful. You just can't deploy forward. Like a lot of guys would like to do, man, almost every single one of them had poor quality. Yeah. But then yeah. tight turn. I guess yeah. the 55 is the only one that has great climb instead of poor quality, but that's, it's a lot better and vulnerable though. Well, and so when I look at it, you know, the, the corollary with what I would have played is I would have ended up playing the, the, the uh, RE 2001 cause it's 21 points. It's a one, two, seven, uh, poor quality, tight turn. So in a sense, t- you get a, you get tight turn as a single trait. So you basically that firepower have one though. You know, I, I, I played Firepower 1, and when you're an ace, it doesn't matter because you're already rolling five dice. So oh six God. dice now. For people then, who can't see me, my eyes are rolling in the back of my head. Y- yeah, well, but, but that's ten, what I'm saying. <laughs> 10 points less than a BF-109E, I, I, I think I could feel okay about Firepower 1. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's that's the thing is is I, I literally go, eh, whatever, man, I'm Firepower 1, but let me add my five pilot skill to it. Um, so I, I think it I think it comes out if you're flying an ace heavy list. If you are flying a four a mixed four and three list, it really doesn't come out ahead for you because you got a lot of threes with a firepower one, uh, and so they're only rolling four dice. And you, well, you can do the odds there. Um, you're, you're not going to get the hits you want. But you know, I'll, I'll say this about about the Nashcon tournaments. They both came down to the boom chits generated in the last turn. So in both cases, the person who boomed out the bad, the other player first was not the person who won. So that's, that's an important thing to think about in tournaments. And I see people all the time give up before in that last turn, because they've been boomed out instead of continuing to push forward and rack up as many boom chits as possible. Hmm. And we could theorycraft Romanian and Italian lists for a whole episode. 
still oh, yeah. idea there. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> that's, we need, that's, maybe that's what we should talk. We, we should go build yeah. some lists and, and come back for the next episode and come up with our uh, crazy Southern Europe list that yeah, definitely. Pretty, Anyone pretty who's listening, for. please let me know if you have a uh, Italian or Romanian list because now I'm intrigued. Yeah, I am. I, I am still a fan of the C two hundred five, and maybe it's because uh, Brett and uh, Chris used them against me so well years ago. Um, but it's also single trait tight turn. By the time you get rid of poor quality, and it's a two two eight for thirty two points. So, I think I think there are some really good aircraft in there that you just mitigate poor quality and you're good just like a yak so i'm looking to see i'm looking to see how much a a mosquito is so well we saw will use those uh a year ago at uh are 67 points yeah that's 10 points i think more expensive than the p80 shooting star yeah so that tells you you could run that kind of list you could do it I don't know how you do it. That doesn't make sense, but I guess you can. I'd have to do that math. Yeah, you could do a PA shooting star list. Knock yourself out. I have a box of them if you need them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, hey, so this is a little diversion away from Crucible a little bit, but still uh, an event, an upcoming event. You mentioned recently that in Adepticon 2023, we may be doing something unique, Eastern theater stalingrad or something like that what's going on there well so that's what i thought until some discussions last night so the 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 plan has always been in flux but the there's been this kind of crazy idea in the back of a couple people's heads that hey let's do an eastern front themed multi-game multi-day you know friendly narrative uh kind of i should say friendly narrative with prize support (laughs) event so it's it is competitive but it's not a super competitive tournament but the the question has been not every world war ii game wants to play well equally and i'll put the who in it the dudes at battlefront want to do their flame stuff and they want to do it on their own tables and they want to stay in their own little corner got it have fun by yourselves with a shrinking population um so the the Team Yankee Flames of War crowd is probably going to go do their thing. And we were talking through what kind of scenarios or what campaign would be cool for a big, friendly kind of game. And the, the way Mike Rafferty on the Adepticon staff talked about it was, you know, it's kind of like the 40K friendly tournament where they build a little bit of a story to it. Everybody kind of gets paired up and you go play a tournament. And it's people trying to have more fun and be somewhat competitive and want to win, but not be cutthroat and stupid about it. And they say that that event always fills up every year at Adepticon. So as we started talking through it last night, part of the discussion became let's, let's be inclusive, not exclusive. And let's figure out uh, how you get any list for any army for any time period in world war two into this kind of a narrative event. And, I will put it out here because I haven't even run it past the Adepticon guys. But what we said this morning when I was talking with John Russell and trying to brainstorm through it, we said, well, you know, the funny thing is if you played multiple theaters of war simultaneously, that actually would be something you could do with combined arms if you wanted someone to be running each one of those smaller boards, if you wanted to combine bolt action and 
um, and Blood Red Skies. But if you're combining other games that don't play into combined arms, then just use combined arms as the pieces and make your own rules, which is kind of my point number 27 about why you should or should not buy combined arms. Uh, but I think what we're going to see is a multi-theater narrative. I'll call it a hop-in, hop-out event because I think when I was talking to Mitch Reed and talking to Mike Rafferty and, and everyone really agreed we don't want to constrain people to have to play every period of the game. People want to go shop. They want to go, you know, get dinner. Yeah, <laughs> they don't. We we don't want to feel like we're we're forcing people to to play every period of the event. Uh, so I think it'll have some flexibility to it. It'll be multiple theaters. Bring what you got. Um, and Mike, Don, and a couple other guys that are talking about it. Uh, Mitch, we're all committed to bringing our own armies that people can play with. So. Use it as, and this this goes back to the incentive of how to get people to play games outside their comfort comfort zone. Use it as an incentive to, in a sense, play doubles in some of these events. You know, where show up and Brett will sit there with his ME one hundred nines, and because he has all of the ME one hundred nines, your ME one hundred nines will be ones you borrow from him um, and play through a Blood Red Skies game and beat up on whoever your allied opponent is. Hmm. Casey's thinking. His brain. I, can, I really I can almost smell the smoke from here all the so way in Alabama. <laughs> I'm still all the way back. Like, how can I make an Italian list? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Building. I know. You, Honey, you should we're have going to Olive Garden tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need motivation. Should have, shouldn't have mentioned the Italians because now I'm thinking too. I'm thinking, do I really, really want to go with a Wildcat list? Just a reminder, uh, we have lots of Italian planes on the page if anyone wants to order any. <laughs> yeah, should you want Italian planes? There's a bunch on the page. I have a bunch in stock, courtesy of someone whose name rhymes with Blasey. Um, yeah, I happen to have a bunch of those already in stock. I was actually putting stickers on a bunch of them in bubble wrap today. Um, and and shameless plug here. So uh, we we have really transitioned in lead pursuit from how we used to do things that were, you know, on demand uh, and order it. And so maybe a month later, you might get your miniatures when we got around to printing them to we're trying to keep a stock of a lot of these even esoteric things like the Italians. Uh, so odds are we might have it in stock. Um, if you're one of those people who orders aircraft eight at a time, okay, maybe I'll need to print some more, but we try to keep a handful of, uh, uh, handful of them around. Uh, so when people want IAR eighties, we can fill out a squadron of them or when they want, uh, you know, C two O twos or whatever. And I know I've been deficient about getting the Italians on the, uh, on the website. So oops, sorry, we'll get those in the store and you can order those. Yeah, and there's a lot of really – he's put out some really great aircraft. The plane printer has all the yes. Japanese float planes, which is really cool too. Yeah, shameless plug. We have a bunch of float planes that we'll put out on the website, and those will be uh, – those Those are always fun just to have a few of those around for narrative stuff. Well, cool. Any other questions you guys got for me based on uh, NashCon or the crazy things that went on or the furries that may or may not have been down there playing Age of Sigmar? No, it just, that, it that's the mental actually... image you needed, wasn't it? It was <laughs> it was a furry standing at a table pushing, you know, a large red dragon around. That's that's exactly the image you need. No, it just sounds like it was a really good event. And you know what? It's just like that's one thing across the board. Anytime there's any type of Blood Red Skies event where there'd be narrative competitive, like everybody always has fun. Well, the same thing at Twisted Lords, everything like people just have fun. You know, yeah, it's like, hey, yeah. you know what? Great game. We had fun. Let's drink some beer. Let's talk about it. And then it evolves into theory crafting, which is always fun about the next list and meta and cards. And there's no ill will or anything. So, man, I'm excited. Well, and that so was the good thing. thing. There was there was a lot of uh, segues from Blood Red Skies into other aerial gaming, and I had a good chance to meet Gavin, uh, the author of the Above the Clouds rule set, and sit down with him and chat about you know 
all kinds of things, military aviation, talk about your war gaming rules, uh, uh, or our favorite compliment for a game of, well, I don't hate that rule set. So I think he and I both see the, uh, the world in very similar ways that we're happy if we don't hate a game that we pick up and play the first time. But the, uh, the, the cool thing with NashCon is there's just so much to do, even as, as a smaller event, not the size of Adepticon by any stretch of the imagination, but I still didn't get to play every event I wanted to because I was either hosting or playing aerodrome, flying some, you know, wooden fabric covered beast around uh, or drinking beer. <laughs> Actually, I didn't drink beer all weekend. I failed in that miserably. That, that got a colossal F, colossal F, no beer all weekend. Steve's going to be showing off his yet unnamed project that he's been working on all summer. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'll be curious to see uh, see how that shakes out. I promise not to rip any rule books in half for those of you who are at the first gathering of eagles. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll, that'll be interesting to see what uh, he's working on, how it all turns out. Yeah, I really don't know anything about it. I mean, I don't know anything more than he shared on Messenger, just like the little photos and stuff. So he's been yeah. really pretty tight-lipped we'll see. about it all. He's, yeah, he has. He has some good plan. I uh, By then... By Crucible, uh, Fulcrum Leader should be in Kickstarter. Actually, it should be almost complete by the time we do Crucible. Uh, so either I will be a drunken mess or I'll be a happy man. Um, with that being out of the way, I've been playtesting my eyeballs out uh, on some of that. So that's uh, that's going to be fun to see where that project goes. I, I already, I've already got my ego battered down. I know that uh, Fulcrum's not going to be as popular as Eagle. Everyone loves NATO stuff. Nobody loves Russian stuff. Uh, so uh, I'm sure we won't have as many uh, many sales for that. But there's at least people out there who've been asking some good questions. And, uh, and and as usual, you have you always have that funny rivet counter response. Anytime you bring up airplanes, there's always one guy who wants to uh, poke holes in all the research you've done. So that that always makes it interesting. All right, guys. Anything else? No, I'm good. Until next all... week. <laughs> Until next week. Doug still doesn't have a closing, so. I don't know what I'm going to say to you all. <laughs> hey, you want to win some B-17s? Give me a good closing, and I'm dead serious. I will ship you a box full of resin, mostly of your own requesting, <laughs> if you come up with a good closing for the Lead Pursuit podcast. So come up with something witty, only mildly offensive, uh, and email it or send it to us in Messenger or well, I would say post it in Facebook, but then Facebook will ban you when you say something mildly offensive. But come up with something funny for us because we're not funny enough to do that ourselves. So I earned us the explicit label in the opener today. I yeah, can't, can't <laughs> take that one back, I guess. <laughs> can't take that, which is awesome. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everyone. We will talk to you all next week and keep playing those games, whatever you're playing, even if it's My Little Pony. talk a little bit about NashCon and then have you guys kind of ask me questions about NashCon's BRS events specifically. So um, so we skip the furry events? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure there were any, but there might have been. It was... Um, yeah, it, it, it was. There was a little weirdness. There was a little Can weirdness. We have a furry in report. Can we have a furry report? Every podcast. I, I, 